Welcome to Cohen & Company's Chief Insights Podcast, a thought leadership series designed for C-level executives, board members, and other top decision makers. Hello, my name is Marie Brillmeyer, and I am a partner at Cohen & Company. Welcome to this episode of Chief Insights. Today, we're going to talk about the new leasing standard and specifically what it will mean to your company's key financial metrics, such as working capital and EBITDA, and how that could impact your business. I'm joined today by Phil Ryan, a partner in our A&A department, who is familiar with the lease standard and has spent considerable time exploring this area and how it will affect private companies. Hey, Marie. Thanks for having me here today. It's great to be here. So there's a lot to cover here. We've gotten a lot of questions on it, and they can have a huge impact on companies' businesses. So I think it would be helpful to start by making sure everybody is aware at a really high level of what the new lease standard actually is and what we're talking about. Sure. So the FASB issued the leasing standard back in 2016 under ASU 2016-02. The result is it impacts organizations across all industries that have leases and issue any type of financial statement under GAAP. It's interesting to point out here, though, that this does not apply to leases of intangible assets, leases of inventory, as well as assets under construction. Private entities, the standard is effective for fiscal years beginning after December 15, 2019, or effectively January 1, 2020. And for those of public companies, it applies January 1, 2019. So we're going to focus today's discussion on operating leases, as that's where the biggest impact is to the financial statements. The new standards require business to now have the operating leases recorded on the balance sheet. It'll now require you to have an asset as well as a liability. The liability will equal the present value of the total amount you owe under that lease, and the asset will equal the amount of the lease liability plus certain payments and costs, minus any incentives. That's the right-of-use asset, and we'll use that term throughout this podcast. So it sounds like there's going to be instances where the asset can possibly be more than the liability or be less than the liability, correct? Correct. So who cares if the asset's more? That's good. We only care about when it's less. Right. So, so in the instance where the asset is less than the liability, what are some examples that would, would make that the case? So for an asset to end up less than a liability, you'd probably receive a significant incentive. Examples of this include a tenant improvement allowance or a free rent situation or even a cash payment for moving expenses. That makes sense. Now, on the balance sheet side, in a classified balance sheet, the asset is going to be what? Classified as current or long-term? It'd be long-term, just like a property, plant, and equipment, a fixed asset that you would have recorded. Now, what about the liability? So the liability, this is where this really is one of the big impacts to the new standard is the liability you have a current piece as well as a long-term piece. So if you think about this, this also, you know, the biggest impact is networking capital because now networking capital will decrease because you're going to have an increase in current liabilities without a corresponding increase to current assets. So what's going to happen on the income statement side? You have this right-of-use asset that's going to have to be amortized down. Where does that expense go? 
Yeah, so the expense is now classified as a lease expense, where before you may have classified it as a rent expense. And assuming lease expense is treated the same way as rent, EBITDA will not change. And on the liability side, do you have any interest expense at all? No. So does the cash out paid for lease expense always equal the total expense that will hit, hit the income statement under the new standard? We talked about how amortizing that down will hit lease expense. Amortizing down the right of use asset will hit lease expense. What the new standard requires you to do is when you have different payments that you need to make built into the lease, typically they escalate over a period of time, then you need to classify what all of those payments are going to be as your liability. But let's say for this year, your lease is $100 a month, and next year it's $110 a month. So you're paying out cash $100 in year one, $110 in year two. What the standard requires you to do, though, is take the sum of all of those cash payments and straight line them. So in year one, you may be paying out $100 a month, but you may be actually expensing $120 or whatever the average of those total amount of lease payments are. So to record the liability, you would take the present value of all payments to be made under the lease, correct? Correct. And it's important to note here, too, that the new standard requires you to take the present value of all the lease payments to be made plus any additional terms that you're going to have. So let's say I have a five-year lease with two five-year renewal options at a locked-in fixed rate of what those would be. And it's very probable that I'm going to be renewing that lease. So let's say I moved into a new corporate headquarters that has a five-year lease and a two five-year new renewal option. I'm going to take the whole 15 years of that um, lease as my liability. Okay. So that that's how you get the liability on the books. So what, is this all, what does all of this mean to the financial statements, to the bank covenants, any future considerations for mergers and acquisitions activity? You need to be familiar with this new standard and how it impacts the financial statements. You know, the biggest immediate impact is that you're going to have to make sure you have all your leases accounted for to be recorded on the financial statements. So even in 2019, while the lease standard isn't applicable for private companies, companies should still be gathering that information and accounting for it so then in 2020 they could do uh, comparative financial statements. In terms of you know, bank covenants and any future M&A consideration for activities, you know, the biggest impact is the networking capital. So when companies base their networking capital on the results on how they're managing that, they need to take into consideration that this lease standard will impact that because you'll have that current piece of the liability recorded on your books. Another area that is important to discuss, particularly with your lenders, are potential changes to the ratios that impact your debt covenants. As a result of this standard, the businesses won't necessarily change, but your balance sheet will. For example, the right-of-use asset won't always equal the lease liability. And as such, any debt ratios that require the networking capital components would be different under the new standard compared to prior. It's important to be in front of this with your lenders to make sure that they understand and they adjust the requirements accordingly. What about the tax effects? The new standard doesn't necessarily change how leases are treated for tax purposes, at least in terms of accounting for in the financial statements. 
So you may still have book-to-tax differences that need accounted for, especially on C-Corps. Also, entities may have to consider state tax issues that may arise, such as how the right-of-use asset may affect the apportionment formulas or how they could impact franchise taxes. Now, I've heard about some companies talking about getting software to maintain their leases. Is that something that you've heard of as well? I have. You know, in a lot of the discussions I've had, a lot of companies are moving towards software. You know, it's it's a much safer bet than keeping things in an Excel spreadsheet. You know, when you have things in Excel or outside of a software, there's a lot of room for error. Um, we, we have a few softwares that we have dealt with. Um, you know, I also have heard of a lot of companies engaging other firms to help them accumulate this information and compile it, at least so they have the first model. Mm-hmm. Makes sense. So we've covered some really great and interesting points today. Um, what is one takeaway that you hope listeners will leave with? Well, I think the biggest takeaway that you know a business owner or um, an investor needs to take into consideration is that impact to networking capital. As well as, from a business owner standpoint, it will take a lot of time for your team to accumulate this information and put it in so you have it recorded correctly. Good. Well, that will wrap up today's podcast. Thank you, Phil, and thank you to everyone who joined us today. Have a nice day. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Chief Insights. Subscribe to this podcast series at cohencpa.com slash podcasts. To gain more insights that may impact you, visit us at cohencpa.com slash impact. Cohen & Company is not rendering legal, accounting, or other professional advice. Information contained in this podcast is considered accurate as of the date of recording. Any action based on information in this podcast should only be taken after a detailed review of the specific facts, circumstances, and current law.